Welcome to Stuff from the Science Lab from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. This is Allison Lattermilk, the science editor at HowStuffWorks.com. And this is Robert Lamb, science writer at HowStuffWorks.com. Today we're straying a little bit outside of our normal purview. We're uh, going to delve into the world of military snipers. Well, you know, it's kind of a military science, and you know, we have a lot of military stuff under the science banner at How Stuff Works. So, yeah, fair game. So yeah, yeah. So um, there's a pretty good article on our site that I want to refer you guys to, just up front in case I forget. Um, and it's written by Robert Valdez, and we're going to be talking about uh, a lot of points that he covered in Military Snipers. And it's worth pointing out that this is one of the few articles that has like a video game component to it, right? It does, which I played this afternoon. Yeah. Um, did For you hours. try it out? No, no, I haven't tried it out yet. I, but uh... well, it's it's buried. It's uh, on one of the latter pages, uh-huh. and you have to. Um, hit 10 hidden targets, and you're supposed to do it within 30 seconds. So you line it up in the scope and then um, hit the hidden target, and then I got 100 points. Wow. So you're you're quite the sniper. I'm, I'm interested to try it out. I always, I always got a kick out of, um, out of games that had some video games that had some sort of sniper component, like, uh, like the Metal Gear Solid games, specifically the one that came out for PS2 back in the day. There was like an, there was one awesome level in particular where you're out there among these snow banks and you have a sniper rifle and there's another sniper. Uh, and you try, you have to try and figure out where the other sniper is and mm-hmm. you end up like having to identify where they are based on, uh, you can see their breath, uh, rising on the other side of this little hill. So sniper trying to pick off sniper. Yeah, yeah. Battle of the snipers. Yeah. It, it shows up in a lot of video games. You know, it's like the sniper rifle is, it's, Pretty common these days in your action-oriented So in these video games, products. is there a spotter as well, or is it just the lone sniper? Um, I can't speak for the more... I know there are some, like, there are video games that have titles like Sniper, you know, but uh, most of your games are going to be more like solo-type deals where you just have one dude with, and with a sniper rifle, the ones I've seen anyway. Okay. Well, here we are. We're going to educate you because it's not a lone gunman, typically. Well, at least uh, those snipers who are working for law enforcement or uh, mil- the military. Yeah. Uh, like, think of it like chess in a way. You know, you have all these special pieces, but they have to they have to work as a team. They have, you have to one piece to support the other. Like, you don't just send a tank out into a out into the field. You send a tank out with infantry support right. to cover its weaknesses and allow its strength to shine through. Right, right. So snipers work in pairs. And uh so even the Beltway snipers, I don't know if you remember that, but oh, yeah. back in two thousand two in the in the US there was this uh infamous pair of snipers. It was an older guy, it was John Allen Muhammad, and he was he was actually executed in two thousand nine and he had a seventeen year old accomplice, uh Lee Melvo. Oh yeah. And they were in the Washington DC area. And I think they were accused of killing ten people. Yeah, it was uh it was quite the stir. Right, uh, so they were operating happened. in a pair, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have the sniper who gets a lot of the glory, but really you have uh, the other half, the spotter, who's tracking the target while the person pulling the trigger has to recover from you know gun recoil and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you also have the spotter who's giving feedback on the wind conditions and basically any condition that's going to affect the shot. Yeah, if, if, I, if I remember correctly, um, the Hurt Locker features a great scene uh, where you see like a spotter helping a sniper. I haven't seen that. I really do want to see it. It's, it's really good. It's supposed to be yeah. excellent. So, yeah, it's it's a pair. Uh, they're elite long-range marksmen, and they're generally part of a special ops team. And they obviously can shoot with 
ridiculous precision, but they tend to be even more than that. They're not just pulling the trigger. They do more than just rack up confirmed kills. Arguably, their main role is recon or reconnaissance. Yeah. Like, Do you like that little bit of jargon I threw in there for you? Yeah, that's nice. And so they're very skilled at this thing they call the stock, as in stocking stalkers. Not like celery. Yeah, okay. not celery stock. <laughs> so there's even a game that uh, you play in sniper school, uh, military sniper school. I assume they have the equivalent for law enforcement, some sort of training program. Like police academy? No. <laughs> oh, like police snipers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, police academy. Any of the people who would be a part of a SWAT team. Right. Right. So in um, in military training, uh, the snipers learn how to stalk. And so it's really interesting. There's this stalk training. It takes place in a, a big old open grassy range, right? Mm-hmm. And your sniper students are going to start at one end of the range. They're hanging out. And about a thousand meters down, you have your instructors checking out what you're doing, how well you're faring. And they're sitting on top of a truck or maybe a tower and they have the spotter scopes. So they can see what's going on. They can, they have these, you know, specialized telescopes to see what's happening. So they're, they're trying to, they're like judging them on how stealthily wait, they wait, can wait. move. Or? I'm coming. All right. So the sniper students have to stalk toward the instructors without being seen. Right. So they're in this grassy field and, you know, the, the instructors are actively looking for them and the, the snipers are trying to move toward them on the, on the DL, you know, stealthily. It's pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah. I mean, do you think you'd be able to do that? Uh, well, no, but, um. But they also have some help, you know, they're, they have camouflage, they have the ghillie suit, which we'll get into a little bit later, mm-hmm. which is a key part of a, a sniper's, uh, gear. It sounds pretty cool. I mean, when I was in, uh, I was in Boy Scouts and we would, uh, you know, you have all your sort of official Boy Scout things you have to do, like tie knots and, you know, start fires and identify trees and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But, uh, we would often, like, end up just playing these, like, games out in these fields, you know, where, you know, it's stuff like, you're sort of like playing elaborate hide and go seek out in a cornfield in the middle of the night or, you know, things like that. So I could see where. Did you play? <laughs> Did you really play hide and seek in a cornfield in the middle of the night? Cause that sounds pretty fun. Yeah. Well, see, one group would hide in the field and then the other group would have flashlights okay. and they would come in looking for you. And it was really frightening at times because it's kind of like on one hand, you're like, Oh my goodness, I'm afraid I'm going to get caught by the dudes with the flashlights. And then you find like a really dark corner of the field and you're, you hunker down and then there's like nobody around you and it's really quiet. And then you realize, Oh my goodness, I'm like out in the middle of the woods and it's dark and you start getting kind of freaked out about that. So. It was quite the adrenaline rush. So I could see where uh, one of these stalking events in Sniper Academy could be uh, could be pretty exhilarating. So while they're stalking, they're they're trying to be these masters of stealth, and mm-hmm. they're doing stuff like reporting on the enemy's size, their strength, their location, and this is all pretty helpful in radioing that back to the commanding officers. Yeah, you got a guy who can get in there close without being seen. So I mean, the the, the reconnaissance value there is immense. Perhaps, yeah, generally, perhaps more so than his ability to take out a key component of that enemy. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Who are they trying to take out? Yeah, not the average soldier. That's the the thing. Because I think that's another thing about video games. There's some games where you kind of have a sniper rifle, but you're basically just killing everything in sight. And that's not what this is about. This is about a precision um, strike. This is about identifying... An important, a key yeah, a key person, an important aspect of the uh, the enemy's forces, and removing it from play, and so, maybe striking a little terror in the process. So, who might you think? Uh, who would you think might be one of those uh, key people that you'd want to? Um, the cook, because if the cook's gone, to oh, no. Um, <laughs> well, the obviously any kind of command, um, uh, any, any kind of in- individual in command would be a, a key target. Uh, somebody that has you know, um, like a communications officer. 
you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pilots. Um, yeah. Valdez also talked about armor drivers and uh, your communications operators, stuff like that. So here's something that I hadn't really thought about. Um, there's a famous movie scene, or maybe many famous movie scenes, in which uh, the enemy's location is disclosed by, say, the the flare of a cigarette. You know, the, mm-hmm. the little orange nub at the end of a cigarette. Yeah. Or the match, right? You know, and they light up and it's say goodbye. So snipers are ultra, ultra observant. That's something they are superbly uh, taught in, in sniper training school. So a sniper's going to see, you know, a sniper's going to be able to discern who's who in the battlefield. They're going to pick up on all sorts of subtle cues. You know, they're looking at the way, you know, body language. They're looking at, say, you make the mistake of saluting your commanding officer in the field. Well, then what's going to happen? Right. And this is actually like becomes more and more important as we move uh, farther away from like the, the, the outdated vision of a military where like the guy in charge has a fancy hat. You know, I mean, you have you have um, you have combatants who do not have uniforms, uh, you know, especially in the field, you know, and they probably don't have uniforms at all. You know, like if you're in, say, a situation like in Afghanistan or something to figure out who's in charge, you're going to have to observe and see based on their social interactions and the way they carry themselves, you know, which guy is the is the command unit. Right. And say you don't have these key people. So a sniper is going to look for something called a a target of opportunity. So this could be uh, somebody like an officer taking a break to smoke a cigarette Mm. or maybe a pilot who's flight checking his helicopter or, uh, you know, a guard who's patrolling uh, the camp or or the base. Yeah. Somebody who just suddenly they're an easy target to pick off, which uh, in Taking that guy out might not actually like it's not like, oh, my goodness, Doug's gone. So we're just going to give up the war now, you know, or we're just going to completely <laughs> surrender. But but everybody else in Doug's unit is going to be like, oh, my goodness, Doug just bought it, you know, going out to smoke a cigarette. It like it breaks down morale. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's not just people they're after. It's also uh, material things, too. Stuff like a generator or a radio transmitter or um, a fuel tank. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so something of, of great importance to the, uh, the the force there. Yeah, and you were just talking about how uh, a single hit can really demoralize uh, the enemy. And so snipers are called force multipliers by army strategists. And so it all that means, as you guys could probably guess, is that sniper teams can do much more damage than you'd think uh, an individual would be capable of causing. Yeah, they can kind of spread chaos, you know. So let's get to the other half of the team, the spotter. The spotter tracks the shots fired, right? Yeah, and he, you can tell this by, um, I mean, we're talking about these high-velocity, long-range rounds, and a lot of times they're going to leave a vapor trail. Yeah, the the main way I could relate to this, because I don't know that I've played a video game that had a vapor trail after you fired a sniper rifle, and maybe I'm just playing the wrong games. But uh, but one game does come to mind, a little uh, iPhone um, app that everybody plays these days called Angry Birds. Uh, it's like everybody, like my wife's addicted to it, and I've played it some. It's pretty fun. She's addicted to Angry Birds. That's everybody a funny thing is. To say. <laughs> like bring up Angry Birds among iPhone owners, and it's like people go crazy for it. I will. And it's like a game where you slingshot little birds at little pigs that are in fortresses. It's silly. It's cute, but slingshotting birds is yeah. cute. Well, they're cute birds. Yeah. So you slingshot the bird, right, and you miss, right? But uh, after you fire, you can see the trajectory of the shot tracked in little dots. And so then you, can, then you can sort of correct your shot based on that trail. So it's 
not as simple as that with sniper rifles, obviously, but uh, it reminds me of that. It's it's like, oh, we can see, based on the, the vapor trail, how the last uh, shot went, and we can kind of correct based on that. Yeah, so Valdez, um, he interviewed an Army Ranger sniper. Oh, wow. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, he went the extra mile. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, he did. And uh, the sniper that Valdez quotes says, um, it kind of just looks like mixed up air. You can see through it, but you see the distortion. I think of it as if you're ever looking at a, a grill, you're grilling something outside, mm-hmm. and you can see uh, the distorted air kind of rising off the grill. It yeah. kind of like waves. and. Yeah, or if you look across asphalt on a really hot day. Right, you know? right. Yeah. Same sort of thing. Or at least I would think it would be the same sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, that's, that's my interpretation, too. And the spotter also is going to help your sniper to uh, to factor in the conditions. So, you know, your wind, your weather, visibility, pressure, humidity. Because remember, we're talking about pretty long ranges. And the farther you get away, the more precise you have to be when you're aiming your weapon, right? Right, yeah. And you have to account for the changes that are going to take place um, over a, a long distance, be it wind or just uh, gravity. Yeah, plain old gravity can affect your shot. So perfect conditions, according to a sniper, yeah. No wind, mild weather, clear visibility, but that's not going to happen. So given that, you know, those are rare days, a sniper team has to correct for things like that. So um, they have to correct for the way, you know, the bullets are going to spin and drift. And they do that with this thing called MOA or minute of angle. Uh-huh. I hope they call it MOA. Maybe they call it MOA. I don't know. MOA. Snipers, write in and tell us. MOA makes me think of like a giant uh, flightless bird. but. <laughs> An MOA sounds a little more like military, you know. So this is the unit of measurement that snipers use, they rely on, to uh, to measure accuracy. And their spotters are going to help them with figuring out how to get the best shot and, and factor in MOA there, or MOA. Right. Now, the spotter's not just, you know, along for the the ride. I mean, he's armed as well. That's true. So he's there to, to provide supporting fire if suddenly the sniper becomes the target, or they have to, uh, you know, beat a hasty retreat. And, uh, you know, and, and fire some shots along the way. Yeah, he's going to have uh, typically like an assault rifle, an automatic assault rifle. I mean, because remember, his, his main duty is to protect the sniper hmm. and thus the unit, essentially. Here's the other thing that I'm not sure spotters like too much. I was reading that being a spotter is kind of like being a sniper apprentice. <laughs> um, you know, albeit like an extremely valuable one, though. We're kind of like a, a golf caddy, right? I would I would take extreme offense <laughs> to that if I were a Well, that's what kind of what like when a you golf when they, caddy. I mean, obviously it's not the same thing, but but like calling him apprentice, it's kind of like this. What he's learning, he's mind. learning in the field, and how better are you going to learn if you're not out in the field practicing these skills? Because eventually, a lot of spotters will wind up, you know, picking up all the the knowledge right. and uh, maybe leading their own team. Well, in Caddyshack, the caddies all played golf. That's true. And well, anyway, <laughs> I'll, I will not make any more points based on Caddyshack. In this uh, podcast. But ultimately, it is the sniper who's going to get to make all the calls. He's going to get to have the final say. He's the one who's going to be coordinating with command to put together the mission. And when they're out in the field, he's going to have the final word in determining stuff like route, your position, um, you know, rendezvous points, and even uh, how they're going to escape the escape route. Cool. So, yeah, he's calling the shots. He's the, dude, he's the guy calling the shots. He's the guy making the shots. And the spotter's the guy helping him make those shots. Indeed. So what kind of gear are these guys carrying? Some pretty uh, pretty high-tech uh, stuff at time, right? Well, if you're going for one shot, one kill, you gotta your equipment really matters. Yeah. So a sniper rifle. But that's kind of an ambiguous term because sniper rifles can be all sorts of... There's no set model of sniper rifle. They can be uh, 
they can be a bolt action. Uh, so that, that just means for non gun knowledgeable people like myself, uh, a bolt action just means that you have to reload after every round fired. Yeah. So what's the disadvantage of that? Well, that you have to reload after every shot fired. Right. And then, of course, your that movement, that reloading movement could give away your position, right? Right. And yeah, so pretty much anything can give away your position. You know, if you have a semi-automatic, which is another option for a sniper rifle, um, that that also comes with its you know own special ways of being detected by the enemy. Yeah, I mean, and all these things are, are most of these weapons are going to make a lot of sound. I, I found it interesting that these were uh, sniper rifles were often referred to as crew served weapons. Yeah, yeah, the idea that it's a it's you know it's a big gun, but unlike all your video games or most of your video games, you need two people to operate it correctly. Yeah, I mean, like we were talking about before, if you come under fire and you, you got to get out of there fast, yeah. you're not really going to want a sniper rifle. Yeah, the sniper rifle just becomes luggage at that point. Totally. I yeah. imagine you ditch it, although I don't know that for sure. But well, I'm, if, it, you're, if you're beaten in a hasty retreat, I, are you really taking your gear with you? Um, do, do soldiers abandon their gear in the field well, if they I, need to? I think the general uh, idea is that as pricey as gear is, uh, it's generally... Life is much more Yeah, it's generally pricier valuable. to to train the individual you know, to use that equipment. So it's, you know, it's kind of like the whole uh, ejection seat in an airplane thing, right? You know, like a fighter jet. No, no, keep going with us. Well, no, well, it's not a perfect analogy, but, uh, but like with the fighter jet, you have the ejection seat because if there's something's going wrong with the plane, so, you know, you'll reach a point where it's better to save the pilot than to, you know, further endanger the pilot to save the plane. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. There's, I mean, there's, there kind of comes like a line, you know, that you, Right, right. Yeah. So maybe they're ditching the sniper rifle, but I imagine they're encouraged to bring it back if they can. <laughs> but uh Yeah, well the sniper rifle is gonna be more than your average gun, obviously. It's it's match grade, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's gonna be fine tuned probably by a professional gunsmith to ensure um accuracy and reliability. This, these these are the kind of things that um you know, somebody who would be participating in a professional like gun shooting competition would yeah, do. Yeah, these are high grade weapons. Yeah. And they were also talking about um Sniper rifles having this free-floating barrel, and that's going to make sure that the barrel touches the least amount of the weapon possible. And the idea here is that it's going to help with cutting down on vibration from the recoil. Huh. They're expensive, right? You'd guess that. I mean, they may cost as much as $15,000 yeah, and more. up, I would yeah. imagine. And on the lower end, maybe you're looking at 8,000 G. Yeah. And of course, you're going to need a sniper scope, uh, and that's what the spotter mans. This right. is the, this is the scope that, uh, yeah, like the, you, Look through to see what, what you're targeting. Yeah, it's specialized. It's you know specialized telescope, and we do have an illustration on the site in case you guys are curious. It's pretty cool that we did a while ago. Here's my favorite part of sniper equipment. What's that? The ghillie suit. Oh yeah, the ghillie suit. <laughs> They're kind of hilarious looking. Yeah, yeah. If you've ever seen it, it's kind of like when you see a soldier that looks like he just spent the night in a swamp or he kind of looks like swamp thing, you know, it's got all this like yeah, kind of, definitely, you know, foliage hanging off of him and sticks and branches and bramble. And yeah, it can look a little comical. Yeah. I kind of think of it like Chewbacca, but I think of <laughs> Chewbacca a lot these days, apparently Chewbacca with like leaves caught in his yeah. fur. Yeah. That's ex- the exact uh, kind of thing it looks like. Yeah. So it's just camouflage because the, the overriding point here is that you, I mean, Clearly, you don't want to be spotted by your enemy, but also you're going to want to blend in with nature. And the important thing here is the angle of your gun, you know, the straight line of whatever equipment you're carrying, um, anything out of place is going to be spotted by the enemy. Yeah. I mean, especially, so this is interesting. Um, 
rifles. They make little ghillie suits for their rifles, even. Yeah, I think I've seen those. Yeah, it's kind of like a big camouflage sock that gets pulled over the uh, yeah the uh, the barrel. Yeah. Now, are you going to tell the the history of the ghillie suit? <laughs> because <laughs> this that... seems more up your alley. Do you, do you remember the history of the ghillie suit? Yeah. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but okay. I, I believe you said it was of Scottish origin. It is. And uh, the idea being, back in ye olden times, like haggis. Yeah. You would <laughs> haggis? have haggis, I believe. Haggis. Um, correct. Uh, we, I'm sure we have Scottish listeners who can correct us on these things, but. Uh, Basically, you'd have your big game preserve that belonged to a lord, you know, and um, uh, the lord would decide that he wanted to say, shoot a deer or, you know, or, you know, an arrow or whatever at a deer. Right. But the lord doesn't want to actually go out into the, the wilderness and, you know, put in all the time, you know, and maybe he's not that good. And it's the uh, the job of his underlings to let him think that he's good. Right. The gamekeeper specifically. Right. <laughs> Who I picture, uh, even though it's Irish, I picture Darby O'Gill from Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Okay, as long as we're going to keep on with Caddyshack, yeah. it's definitely... Um, oh, uh, Bill Murray. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's change it. Let's picture Bill Murray in this, uh, this ghillie suit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, so got that image? Yeah, so... In fact, I think he does have a ghillie suit in Caddyshack, doesn't oh, he? Oh, he does, yeah. Yeah, when he's hunting <laughs> the gopher. I'm pretty sure he does. Wow. Who it knew? all comes back to Caddyshack. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, Bill, Bill Murray's character is in this, uh, was it Carl? Yeah, I think it was Carl, uh, in this, uh, in this ghillie suit. And he goes out into the wilderness and begins to stalk, like we were talking earlier, stalk this deer. And he doesn't apparently really have a weapon or anything. He just kind of like creeps up as close as possible to the deer. The ultimate stalker. Yeah. And then nabs it, just grabs it. With his it bare hands. With his bare hands. And I don't know, maybe he puts it in a sack or, uh, you know, I don't know. How do you get a deer uh, back to the the Lord's castle? Or his... I think you just hoist it over your shoulder. Yeah. yeah. Pro- probably doesn't ride it. But yeah, gets it back somehow. And then like takes it into, like say, an enclosed wooded area or, I don't know, ties it to a tree. It kind of depends on how um, proficient the Lord is at shooting things. And then uh, so once the, the, the game's delivered, then the Lord can come out with his fancy crossbow or musket or whatever, uh, fire his shot, and yay, he's great. He just killed a deer that the um, the gameskeeper actually went and apprehended with his, with his own hands. And his ghillie suit. And his ghillie suit. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. I did not know that before today. So pretty interesting yeah. stuff. Um, so here's something I was wondering. We're talking long range distances for snipers. We're talking how far exactly? I mean, I was wondering what's the record set here. Well, I, first, I think it's uh, like when people think snipers and shots fired off at a, at a distance. A lot of people think of like JFK and stuff. Yes, but the distance that uh, Lee Harvey Oswald allegedly fired. Yeah, the hit. farthest distance. Yeah, the, the the farthest distance that was fired was what? Um, two hundred ninety six feet, I think. Yeah, two two ninety six. So let's so keep that two ninety six. That's peanuts. Yeah, that's peanuts compared to the record. What is the record right now? Well, as of this recording, it was held by a British soldier, a corporal of horse. I guess that's a British title. I, I was sort of uncertain about this, how horse fit into his title, but I guess it does. And a uh, corporal of horse Harrison, and he's from Cheltenham, Gloucestershire. And he holds a record of about 1.5 miles. Wow. 1.5 miles. Yeah. So the distance to his two, um, is his two human targets was 8,120 feet or 1.54 miles. Um, and they measured that with a GPS system. And notably, it was about 3,000 feet beyond the weapon's effective range. So yeah, that just completely puts, you know, any talk of Lee Harvey Oswald being a sniper to rest. I mean, that, that dude was nothing. This yeah. guy, 
Harrison, Horace Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not his first name. It's part of the title. Okay, <laughs> we should have, we should have looked up more about British soldier titles. But we didn't because we're focusing on snipers today, people. But 1.5 miles. That's, that's amazing. I, yeah. I was really impressed. And to, to imagine that you could be, you know, out in, uh, this was actually in Afghanistan. Right. That you could, you could be, say, out in the wilds of Afghanistan and your enemy is a mile and a half away and able to pick you off. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. So you mentioned Lee Harvey Oswald. Let's go back to him for a second. Let's, let's do a little sniper history as long as we're wrapping things up. Okay. So. According to the Army Sniper Association, the the same folks who sponsor the annual uh, sniper competition, which I guess you go if you're a a super sniper, the U.S. Army International Sniper Competition, in fact, it's held annually. Uh, But anyway, the Army Sniper Association says that the term sniper originated from the British occupation uh, of India in the 1800s. Interesting. But when you think about it, we were talking about this before, we had to have had snipers for as long as we've had long-range weapons. Yeah, I think that as long as we've had a long-range weapon, we've had guys... Um, who were stealthy. Yeah, who were stealthy, who were better at it than the, than the other other guys in their team, uh, in their team, uh, in their, you know, armed unit or in their, the army. I get where you're going. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, we've always had guys that excel at it, and by excelling at it, would be put in a situation where to, to capitalize on that uh, that skill. Right, right. So Lee Harvey obviously goes down as one of the most infamous snipers in history, but yeah, we're not so sure that he was a good one, per se. Oswald was actually using a rifle he ordered from the mill. And I want to go back for a sec. I said 296 feet, and what I meant was actually 265 feet. So I was giving him too much credit. Yeah, even even worse for that guy. Yeah, and he may not have been acting alone, but we don't even have to get into that there. I'm yeah, sure that's, that's like Josh and Chuck. Territory. Yeah, that's Josh and Chuck or, uh, you know, stuff they don't want you to know. We'll let them cover all the uh, JFK conspiracy angles. There was something interesting that I had not heard about that you had in that there was a video game released, um, JFK Reloaded, and it was oh, released yeah. on the 41st anniversary of JFK's assassination in Dallas. So this this game essentially allowed gamers to get behind uh, Lee Harvey Oswald's sniper rifle and recreate the the assassination event. <laughs> yeah, I remember there being in, in a, all a of stink its 3D about that. glory. Yeah. You could take both sides of it, I suppose. But I mean, first hearing about it, first reading about it, I came stomping over to your desk. Hey, have you <laughs> heard of this game? And you're like, well, you know, maybe they're trying to teach a point about you know history and which essentially was what the the game creators said. Yeah, I don't know. I guess you you, you kind of get if you're around a lot of video game violence, you kind of become numb to it eventually and it's kind of like, oh, there's a and stupid video games. There's so many like stupid and possibly offensive video games out there. It's, you know, this comes along and you're like, "Oh, well, that's not surprising." Yeah. So, I guess if you if you got the if you came closest to recreating the actual shot, you were supposed to win $100,000, but I don't know if anybody ever did <laughs> and who that individual was. So yeah, uh, that's snipers, uh, for you. If, uh, you know, we kept talking about video games. So by all means, you gamers out there, if there's, a, if there's actually like a really authentic, uh, sniper video game on the market, let us know. We'll, we'll mention it. You know, specifically if there's anything that involves, cause I know there are a lot of co-op games now. Um, and I don't really do a lot of that, but, uh, but, uh, it would stand to reason you could have a, a game where one dude is the sniper and one dude is, uh, you know, holding the scope. 
Yeah, and you can always play the game on our article. That's right. How military uh, snipers work. I think it's on page nine or something, but maybe you'll have to click through the entire article and read it in all of its fun Robert Valdez glory. Yeah, and we actually we have a lot of really cool uh, military technology, military like science articles on the site. So uh, yeah, so we don't touch upon it very often, but maybe we'll do that. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit we more really should. We, we have it. a lot of cool content to, to discuss. Hey, so I wanted to share a little listener mail, if I could. Yeah, do it. Uh, A while back on one of our episodes, we requested some of your favorite science quotes, and uh, we got some from from you guys. And here's some favorites. So, for example, one of our literary named fans, a gentleman by the name of James, uh, he sent a couple of his. And so there were some funny ones, which... (laughs) He gave us a couple. This was my favorite. He said, with the bomb squad, you can usually stop running after the first couple of blocks. If it involves the physics department, keep going. <laughs> that was kind of good. But did you have a funny one? That you oh, to I read? did. Yeah, I love this one. Uh, because this one comes from, uh, um, well, this one comes from a listener by the name of Andrew. And it is a, a quote from a character on Futurama, um, who, which is a show I love, and I think a lot of our listeners are really into it. Yeah, we mentioned um, it a bunch. But this is from Professor uh, Hubert J. Farnsworth of yes. uh, Mars University. He's one of the main characters, the old, like the old decrepit mad scientist. And uh, he said, quote, technology isn't intrinsically good or evil. It's how it's used, like the death ray. <laughs> so that's, you know, because the death ray is not intrinsically Evil. It's just if you use it for evil purposes. And lastly, maybe we'll end with a serious one on the uh, on the gravity and seriousness and awesomeness of science. And this one was sent uh, by Brian, who says, "Go science!" Exclamation point. Equipped with his five senses, man explores the universe around him and calls the adventure science. And that was Edwin Hubble. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Yeah. So, as always, we love to hear from you guys. If you have anything you want to share about snipers, science, or anything else, um, send us an email at sciencestuff at howstuffworks.com. And check us out, uh, social networking. Uh, you'll find us on Twitter as Lab Stuff, and you'll also find us on Facebook as just stuff from the Science Lab. Uh, we'll keep you updated on what we're writing about, podcasting about, and thinking about in the uh, field of science. That's a lot of science stuff. Yep. So, thanks for listening, guys. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. <laughs>